Hi, this is Stephanie Rutherford from Stephanie's Sweet Treats, and you are listening to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. On the simplest level, Clarity helps you keep your blog content updated and organized. Because instead of broken links and images that knock your blog down in search results, instead of unoptimized blog posts that, if updated, could otherwise boost revenue and increase traffic to your site, instead of a long list of things to do or create so that you can actually start updating your blog content, Clarity gives you a one-stop dashboard that brings together all the information you need to make decisions about where to spend your time. Clarity also shows you the Google Analytics information about your content without all the setup hassle of doing it yourself. And Clarity also provides an actionable to-do list so you know exactly what you need to do to optimize each blog post or site page. Clarity saves you hours and hours of manual blog post tracking so you have a clear task list for what to update and where on your blog. If you are interested in checking out Clarity, head to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk. Clarity is spelled C-L-A-R-I-T-I dot com forward slash eblogtalk to sign up for the waitlist and take advantage of their $25 a month forever plan. Go to clarity.com forward slash eblogtalk or check out the resources page on eblogtalk.com forward slash resources. Hey there, food bloggers. Welcome to eBlog Talk, the podcast for food bloggers looking for the value and competence that will move the needle forward in your business. This episode is sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 290. Today, Stephanie Rutherford and I are going to have a chat about her journey in blogging and how she was able to grow her traffic from 5K to 50K page sessions in just four months. Stephanie started her blogging journey in January 2020 because she thought having a blog could be fun. After being furloughed, Stephanie decided to go blogging as a hobby, turning it into a business. After spending a year building her photography skills, it only took four months to go from 5K to 50K page sessions to qualify to be a part of the Mediavine ad network. Stephanie did all of this and had a toddler during the pandemic. Wow. That is a lot to manage and to have on your plate at once, Stephanie. That is really impressive. And I can't wait to hear your story and how this has all unfolded for you. But first, we want to hear what your fun fact is. Yeah, so my fun fact is also kind of like related to my journey. So I had no idea how to start, how how to bake until I had my son in 2018. I was a cake box mix girl. <laughs> like I had no idea, but I had my son and I had really bad postpartum depression and I needed something for me. And I started watching the Great British Breaking Show. Oh. I love that show. Oh, so me much. too. <laughs> Um, and then I just, I just decided to start trying more recipes and it just kept growing and growing. I didn't take any classes or anything like that. I just kept experimenting and it developed into this, now this huge passion into baking. And now I tell other people how to bake recipes and stuff. So it's pretty crazy. That's amazing. So baking really was kind of a part of your healing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, with, with, you know, with having a baby, you know, for me, I was, I had to exclusively pump. So it was just, it was very hard for me. But um, so I wanted something that made me feel basically like a human again. And so I started baking and I loved it. One, it was delicious. So (laughs) yes, that's always a a strong point, right? That you get to actually enjoy the treats that you make. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. 
and then it was fun to that. So yeah. Yeah. And you've turned it turned it into a hobby and then now a business, which we are going to learn about today in a really short amount of time. So would you mind just starting there, Stephanie, and telling us how you, you know, you started your blog, you said in your notes that you really didn't know much about blogging, and you knew you loved to bake. So how did things go for you? Yeah, so I started my my blog January 2020, so right before the pandemic. Um, and I, I was like, oh, that could be fun, maybe. <laughs> uh, so I didn't know anything. I was, you know, taking pictures uh, using my iPhone. Um my, you know, my skills of how to even develop a recipe has greatly improved. So uh, I really didn't know anything when I first started. But uh, so I was like going along. And then I realized that people eat with their eyes. So if I was going to really grow, I knew I had to increase my food photography. So May 2020, I signed up for uh, a first course for photography school is what I signed up with. Um, And I learned a lot got a camera, stopped taking photos on my iPhone, and then uh, learned a ton. But that first year was just a lot of growing into, like, how do I actually do this? Uh, you know, and then the second, the January 2021, I took advanced photography school, um, which then really greatly improved everything. And I got um, artificial light because natural light is, that is such a, a beast to tackle. <laughs> so I got artificial light and it made my photos much more professional um and then I still at that same time I was still about like 5,000 page sessions the beginning of um uh 2021 um and then around June I realized one there's a lot of things that will go over but uh a lot of things that I needed to change and grow to grow my traffic um anyway so that that is where I started with knowing nothing and then learning about food photography That's amazing. So your journey is so condensed. So many people listening, myself included, it took like way, way longer to learn these things, learn about photography and learn what actually needed to be done to move your business forward. So I just want to say like, I am so impressed and kudos to you for figuring it out in such a short amount of time. I think you're amazing for doing that. And I like you guys, there's this new wave of food bloggers, the really fresh, like one to two to three year old food bloggers who are coming onto the scene and they're just crushing it. And it is so fun to watch and see you guys just figure it out. Thank you. That is so sweet. You know, I think it's probably related to the pandemic. You know, like me, I was furloughed. I was a restaurant server. Um, so, you know, I got furloughed. So I had all this time. And I was like, so what am I going to do with this time? A lot of people, you know, baked bread or, you know, whatever during the pandemic. So I went really hardcore into that because I didn't, want to go back to my job I wanted to actually make this a thing and I had the time I still at the time I had a 15 month old uh so I was doing that too but of course but uh anyway so that's what I think uh, a lot of these people that are growing so fast and just crushing it is that they took a very scary negative thing of the pandemic and turned it into something positive wow that is such a great perspective and I hadn't really thought of that before but the pandemic potentially could have nudged a lot of people there. And then once you got the momentum going, then you were like, wait a second, this is really cool. I don't necessarily want to go back to a job. So out of just necessity and, 
you know, and a need to be efficient and streamline and get it done, you just did it. So that is so cool. I love hearing you say that. Um, so photography was the first focus for you, which is, I think, really smart because like you said, people eat with their eyes. So love that you focused on that first. And then what happened in June? You said you had a realization in June. Um, what did you realize and what happened after that? Uh, I feel like things just kind of clicked my brain in June. Uh, lots of different things that I knew that I needed to do traffic. Like, for example, um, before I switched everything over, I wasn't passing Core Web Vitals. My page speed was really low because things weren't optimized. Um, I needed, I was, I thought I knew what keyword research was. And then in fact, I, I did not. And then, so uh, I started like listening to, I found I found this podcast actually, Eat Block Talk, uh, and um, the Blogger Millionaire, which I love that podcast. Mm, um, and so I was like listening to all that stuff and just realizing, wow, there's actually a lot more things that I need to do. And so then I did this deep research dive into all these things that we're going to talk about and realizing one, growing your traffic is never just one thing, everything is connected. And so I kind of like did kind of everything at once um, and the needle just went super fast to higher page session session. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's great that you realize that it's not just one thing. There's not one thing you should be focusing on that you need to kind of have your eyes on a c couple of different things. So keyword research, SEO. Um, what did you think about socials and how they played into your growth? Did you focus on those to start or how did you go about that? Yeah, so actually my first year, I was very focused on my Instagram because uh, my mindset was I wanted to build a community on Instagram so that when I made recipes, people got excited and wanted to make my recipes. So I did uh, that first year um, where I was still like less than 5,000 page sessions, I grew to 10,000 um, Instagram followers. And then the second year I grew up to 58,000 Instagram what? followers. Yeah. And now I'm at 69,000. Um, oh my year, goodness. So I did. How in the world did you do that? <laughs> uh, well, like I said, the community. So I I was very into engaging with others, uh, other food bloggers, constantly engaging, constantly sharing my stories, like behind the scenes, recipe testing, to get people excited about what I'm making. And then people like related to me, like acting like I was their best friend, even though I, I haven't met them before. So then they would make my recipes and then they would get excited about the next thing. I want to engage on that. So yeah, honestly, building community, showing up consistently on Instagram was a huge ticket item for me. And then, uh, and then I did short, sweet Instagram reels, like seven second long videos of like opening up a cookie or anything, anything like that. And it got me a lot of um, views on my reels as well, which led to a lot more followers too. So all that's connected to... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And did you use Instagram to connect with brands and do sponsored work? Yes, yes. So that's also another big reason why I wanted to go to grow my Instagram, because I knew it was, it's tough to grow your traffic. But if I had a strong Instagram following, then I could make money from brands, which is exactly what happened. Uh, the end of December 2020, um, 
of course, that was Christmas time. So I did have a lot of brands starting to reach out to me then and uh, tons of pitching and everything because I grew my following to almost 10K by the end of the year. So um, that really, really helped too because I wanted to make money and I didn't want to go back to work. So that's why it was such a big focus for me. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did you navigate Pinterest right off the bat and how are you dealing with Pinterest now? Um, so... Pinterest, I was still using, so when I first started, I was still kind of using, I guess, old methods. You you can say, um, trying to make, when you make a fresh pin that just goes to one board, and then it was honestly just so much work. But um, part of this journey is also my Pinterest grew a ton because, uh, and I strongly recommend anyone listening to go check it out, but Midwest Foodie has a Pinterest ebook because she kills it in the Pinterest space and she makes like she makes so much money she has um quarterly traffic uh reports on her blog and it's so inspiring but anyway she has this ebook that teaches you how to make everything and so I, I bought that and then I started doing it consistently and now I get like a minimum 1,000 page views from Pinterest every day from just from Pinterest and like I stopped doing idea pins um and my my Pinterest has just exploded so it's oh. it's not dead <laughs> okay so you don't do idea pins at all no I don't I do idea pins at all because um I've talked to a lot of other food bloggers and I've seen like uh like Facebook groups or whatever people talking about it but basically from from my personal experience is that whenever I post an idea pin Pinterest will say, okay, let's only show users the idea pin, but there's no links to the idea pin. So I just stopped doing them. And once I just only focused, no idea pins, just focus on actual pinning my pins um, consistently, you know, long text pins, uh, my links, my link clicks just grew. Like it grew like from about like a hundred a day to now over a thousand. So it grew a ton. Oh, wow. Okay. That's really inspiring. And it's really ironic because just about two hours ago, someone in my mastermind group was like, Hey, have you, um, has anyone heard of Midwest Foodies Pinterest strategy? And I hadn't. So really crazy that I've heard about it now twice in a day. So I think that's a sign that I need to go check it out, right? Yes. <laughs> it is really, really, really good. And it has everything broken down exactly what you need to do. And of course, Pinterest is a long game. Like, like SEO with Google. So you're not going to see results like as soon as you post it, but wait like two months and then you'll start seeing those results. So I highly recommend it. Oh, that's super inspiring. Okay. Um, kind of a fresh perspective there because Pinterest is very disheartening for a lot of people right now. So mm -hmm. I think that will be encouraging for everyone to hear. And you said you went deep into SEO and keyword research. Can you tell us more about that? Are there certain tools you use, certain strategies? What do you have to share with us about that? Yeah, well, the very first thing I had to do was I needed to upgrade my site because I wasn't passing um, good site speed. I was like around like 60% for site speed. And then um, my you know, my site wasn't upgraded and I wasn't passing core vitals. So I needed to change a, a lot of things on the back end because I believe it's really hard to rank if you don't have an optimized site. So I went and I did like a whole overhaul of my site. So I got the Feast plugin, which is built for food bloggers. It lets 
you completely have an optimized site, um, does all those things for you, gets you to have a modern homepage, a recipe index, the list goes on for all the things this plugin does for you. So highly recommend that Feast plugin. It has really changed my site. And I also got WP Rocket, which is a paid plugin that helps with your site speed, with your JavaScript, a um, whole bunch of things this plugin does for you. So I got that. Um, and then I was able to pass Core Web Vitals after that. And then I was still was about like 70 on my site speed. But the big factor in that was my hosting. I was using Bluehost. Mm. And yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> a lot of problems with Bluehost. And so Casey Markey, he um, he suggested Big Scoot. So I switched over to that. And then I went out and then my site speed went up to like a 98%. So nice. it really, really improved that. So everyone should switch to Big Scoot yeah. off of Bluehost if, if you are on Bluehost. Oh, agreed. I was with, uh, so Just Host is actually, I think, a sister company of Bluehost. And I was with them from the beginning for many years. And oh my gosh, the problems were so, I mean, they didn't come often, but when they did come, they were so intense. And like my site was down for days at a time and there was nobody would do anything about it. There was nothing we could do. And it was, oh my gosh, I still like get all jittery when I think about that. It was so painful. So yes, it is so worthwhile to invest in a good host and Big Scoots is top notch. So I, I second that. Food bloggers, let's take a really quick break. I'd love to tell you about just a few things going on at Eat Blog Talk that might benefit you and your business. First of all, if you would take the time to go to your favorite podcast player to subscribe or follow, rate and review Eat Blog Talk, I would be so grateful and it adds so much value to this podcast. Also, go to the free discussion forum at forum.eatblogtalk.com to get in on the conversations going on over there with other food bloggers, like-minded peers. You can ask questions, answer questions, and just contribute to great discussions. And lastly, if you would like to get in on the next mastermind group that will be put together in spring of 2022, be sure to get on the waitlist now. Go to eatblogtalk.com and follow the buttons for mastermind and we'll be in touch as spring draws closer. Now back to the episode. Uh, what did you use for keyword research? What do you use now? So um, when I was growing, I did I do use Key Search, which I know a lot of people on your podcast have talked about Key Search, but it's really really good, um, and I and it's so much cheaper than like SEMrush or any of those others because I only pay seventeen dollars a month for it, um, which is like really cheap compared to the other ones, but it allows me to search for content. Um, so I wanted to offer this little nugget of, of advice when people are doing the keyword research on key search. So of course I will look for things when I have ideas, you know, I'll look for something, um, uh, and then I try to see if it has at least a thousand in monthly volume and then up to a score of 35 because it's a color-based system. So I look for a maximum score of 35. But the other thing I do is that I will look up generic terms like cheesecake, cake, cookie, something like that is generic. And then you can press the score button twice to show you everything you can rank for, which allows you to get like a big 
bank of ideas. And so that's what I did. And it was so helpful. Oh, that's a great little nugget. And do you use anything else in conjunction with Key Search or is that your main? So um, when I was first growing, that was the only tool I did use. Now I'm actually, uh, I actually looked into Rank IQ because you were talking about it on your podcast. So I actually went and I looked at it. Um, now I'm personally not as much a fan about the keyword research part, but I love the content optimizer part with Rank IQ because you, you can plug in your post and then uh, it will tell you like what your grade is. And then it'll give you a list of different keywords you should use to for your post um to help you know with ranking with your competitors and everything like that and that has helped my ranking with a post i've already posted so much i highly recommend that too yeah and with um that optimizer putting your content through that tool on rank iq you can um get your content ranking so fast it's amazing to me how fast some of my posts rank I will look back like, I'm not kidding, like a week later and I'm like, what? I'm on page one on Google already. And it granted, it's not always something that has like huge, huge, huge search volume. But my um, my kind of strategy right now is planting those little seeds with lower, lower to medium search volume, but doing a lot of them over time. I'm hoping to like just kill my traffic and triple it this year. That's my goal. So I am glad you're looking into that too. That optimizer is so powerful. Isn't it fun to see like your grade because it scores you, you know, you usually start out, I start out as an F, <laughs> go to a D yeah, me too. <laughs> and then up to like A++ and then you're like, yes, it feels so good to get that. Yes, I completely agree. I actually did that recently with my Biscoff cake. I was ranking number 12 and now I'm ranking number three for it because I literally just use the content optimizer. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so I used that and uh, man, it was huge traffic results. And then I, my actual traffic for that uh, post increased by 100 link clicks in the past like two weeks because I upped it. So I highly recommend it. Yes. So glad you dug into that. I love hearing people's success stories with Rank IQ because I've found so much power in it. It's like a hidden little gem, you know, like this emerging gem in the podcast or in the podcasting, wow, in the food blogging space. And it's just fun to hear that. Um, anything else about SEO or keyword research? I was going to ask you about web stories, but wanted to make sure we covered everything inside of those realms first. Yeah. So, um, so I started creating content that I wanted to rank for and so this was in June. I did go very hardcore into it. I was making three new recipes a week um, because I knew I wanted to get to Medivine ASAP. And I knew the only way to do that was to have content I could rank for. So I, I went crazy and I did like three recipes a week. It was a ton of work, but it led to really big results. So um, I'm not saying every, you know, do what you can consistently, but it really helped me making a lot more traffic. But then I also needed to make sure all my posts were written correctly for what Google needs for its metadata. So I actually went and I looked at my peers who were on Mediavine and saw how they were written their posts. And I realized most of the, these people were writing their posts the same way in the terms of headers and uh, the outline for their post. And I was not. So I completely changed that. And that has also really helped me as well. Oh, that's so smart of you to just see what the successful 
people were doing and then following suit. That was brilliant. I commend you for that as well. Um, okay, I want to hear about web stories because I know that you've dug into web stories a bit. So how how much how much has it helped you? So web stories is actually one of the big reasons why I got to Mediavine so fast. And you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're not doing web stories, you need to jump on it immediately um, because it was amazing for me. So I started making when I was first starting, I was doing web, one web story a day, five days a week. And when you make them, you can schedule them out for the week. So you can like bash them all at once. You can make templates and you can knock these out pretty quickly. Um, they do need to be at least 10 slides per web story um, because Google wants it to be like a strong source of traffic. Uh, so doing like three or four slides or five slides won't be enough. So do at least 10 slides. Um, anyway, so I started to do that. And then I most of that traffic was coming from my direct source. Um, and another note, when you do web stories, you need to make sure that you filter out the web stories because web stories do live on your site. But that doesn't count for your page sessions, specifically with Mediavine. So make sure you filter those out. So what counts is when people click on the web story to go to your actual blog post, and that's what counts. So I went from like my direct traffic being from like, you know, like 50 <laughs> to at least 1,000 every single day. Um, sometimes it was two or 3,000, and that was just from web stories because I had several go viral, um, and I was just doing them consistently. And it made for big results. Have you noticed a theme with which web stories take off or is it just kind of random for you? Um, I think it's definitely random. Um, I mean, I tried to post things also with like seasonality in mind. Like, for example, I have these lemon poppy seed cupcakes and I posted a web story for them, uh, even though it's not technically spring. But I think people are just feeling those spring vibes and that went viral. And in one day I got 3000 link clicks from that web story. Wow. So um, that went really crazy. So I'm in like starting to do more of those spring things. But I think doing it consistently, like without a doubt, every single week you are posting five web stories a week all of my web stories are are getting traffic. None of them are just no hitters. All of them are. Some of them are really big hitters. But um, anyway, so yeah, there's, I guess just trying to think of it like, what do you think users would like? And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking like the user. Um, one of the themes I'm pulling out of our conversation with every platform that you're talking about and every tool, every strategy is consistency. You're showing up and you're doing so consistently. And that is such a big piece of food blogging. And that is no different from 10 years ago. Showing up consistently is going to pay off. And I love that that is a theme for you as well. Have you um, intentionally done that? Yes. Yeah. Because I knew that if I, sh you know, this started when I was on Instagram. If you show up consistently, then your audience will know what to expect from you and they'll know, hey, you're going to post on this day. Oh yeah, I can't wait to see what you post. The same thing is with Google. Same thing with Google Web Stories. Same thing with Pinterest. Like is everything, everything you need to be consistent. Because uh, then Google will know exactly, like if you post, you know, two recipes a week, I'll know like, okay, I'll need to make Google. Oh, okay, I see you. And if you do five Web Stories a week, um, you know, Google just will expect that from you. And not in a bad way, but in a really good way. And you'll get more traffic when you show up consistently. 
Wow, that's a great uh, mindset to have. Just like people, not just people, but the platforms are noticing how you show up as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of creepy, but kind of cool. Okay, what are we missing? So you have talked about a lot of things that you've put a focus on this year. You've grown massively. You're now in Mediavine. Is there anything we're missing that contributed to your amazing success? Um, let's see. So with, with Instagram, I feel like lately, uh, well, one, things have changed so much since like beginning 2020 when I made my Instagram to, to now things are way different now. And, um, a lot of people, a lot of other food bloggers, I feel like are having the wrong mindset when it comes to Instagram. And the mindset that I have is that while, Instagram is pushing reels. They want to be like TikTok, but they are doing that. But photos aren't dead because I just had a post literally last week had like 10,000 likes on it um, because people were like really excited about it. So anyway, so I believe thinking when I think about Instagram, users do like to see their content in video form. So I try to also try to make videos. I've been it was a big goal of mine to learn how to make, um, entertaining recipe reels. Um, so it was like a big goal of mine because I knew my users wanted to do that. Um, and then, uh, but I still post photos like four days a week and then I post reels two other days and I take Sundays off. But, um, anyway, I just wanted to like let people know that, changing your mindset and trying to do what the use your user, your followers, your audience, your community, what they actually want to see from you versus trying to just please Instagram. And that's how I've been doing it. And I've been really growing because I think my users can relate to what I'm doing for them. In what ways do you feel like you tap into what your user wants? Do you ask a lot of questions, do polls? How do you figure that out? Yeah. So I do ask actually a lot of questions. Um, in trying to have an engaged community, I do polls a lot. A lot of my polls are related to like, do you think these cookies need extra topping? I don't know, something silly, but people really like um, being involved in that process. But, you know, lately, like I asked uh, my followers, do we, you guys like voiceovers or just trending music on recipe videos? And uh for that result, it was actually the people who don't like voiceovers were food bloggers. The people who do were regular people, just my regular people who actually make my recipes. So that was very interesting to me. So people like to hear voiceovers and stuff. And this is just for my audience. Maybe it's totally different for your audience, but that's what I figure out what my audience wants. And then when things go well, I'm like, okay, why, why do I think they liked it so much? How can I do it again <laughs> in a different way? Because they liked it. And so that's kind of how I think about it too. Well, uh, And then for me, for example, people love chocolate. So I give them the chocolate and they're <laughs> very happy about it. Um, anyway, so that's my mindset about it. And then you mentioned, I saw something in your notes about how you use Instagram to get people to give you star ratings on your blog. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, star ratings are really important for ranking, uh, on Google. So I, every time somebody would make something that's all part of this engaged community, literally everything is connected, but 
Yes, having this engaging community who gets excited and make my recipes, then I just say, hey, would you mind leaving me a star review of my blog? That would help me so much with Google. Thank you. And in terms of anybody comments it or shares it on their stories, every single time I ask that, because 50% of the time they'll go and do that for me because they think we're best friends, even though I don't know them, you know, like, so that's what I do. And it has helped me a ton as well. Like I have this Oreo chocolate chip cookies that um, Instagram went crazy for and now has like 21 star, five star reviews on it because I, I just asked people on Instagram to do that for me. And now I'm number four on Google for it because of all those star reviews. So that's very helpful. So I strongly recommend just asking your user uh, that made it. Yeah. Just say, hey, would you mind? Ask and you will receive, right? <laughs> it doesn't hurt yes. to ask. <laughs> Wow, Stephanie, this is all so great. So what are we missing? Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet? There was actually one more thing I wanted to mention. So I took this course after I got on Mediavine, but uh, Casey Markey, he recommends cooking with keywords course. Have you taken it, Megan? I haven't, but I've heard many people who have loved it. Yes. Um, I learned a ton about that stuff. Uh, a lot of the information I did know because of uh, the Blogger Millionaire podcast. Uh, he's amazing. So uh, there was a lot of things I did know already from you know free information from podcasts, but there was also a lot more things that I didn't even realize. And it totally changed my mindset on like how you write your title tags um, and actually like the when you know when you're trying to pick your keyword for your title you don't just pick the keyword you want to do something called syntax which allows like descriptive words to make the user want to click on yours versus other ones so it was it was a really amazing course so i strongly recommend doing that okay that's a great recommendation and backed by a lot of other bloggers as well so thank you for all of this oh my goodness this this episode is gold it is pure gold from Stephanie, one of the people who has just crushed it in the last few years with blogging. You are like the new up and coming, amazing type of food blogger. <laughs> we love you, Stephanie. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, well, thank you for joining me. It has been such a pleasure. And to end our conversation, do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration for us, Stephanie? Yeah, well, I plan to say about being consistent actually we were talking about that earlier but um if you stay consistent and you don't stop something because it doesn't work the first time you just you keep trying you keep going it will lead to big results because uh, showing up and trying to be consistent and trying to learn and grow it's going to make you stand out from everybody else which is exactly what I did I just was every time I did something I try to learn from it and grow and just keep going and in my opinion if I can do it you can do it and there's space for everyone here and I think it's so amazing seeing everyone's journeys with food blogging same and yeah it, isn't it fun just to see how everyone's journey comes together differently it's yes. <laughs> so that's one of the things I love about being in the position I am with this podcast I get to hear so many different stories and it's fascinating to watch just how different journeys unfold. And I think the showing up and being consistent is such great advice to end on. So thanks, Stephanie. We're going to put together a show notes page for you. If anyone wants to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash Stephanie's Sweet Treats. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on your website and on social media and everywhere else? 
Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm Stephanie Sweet Treats. Um, and then my blog is stephaniesweets.com. Um, I'm very active on Instagram. So I love when people send me messages. And if you have questions, um, I'm here for it. So um, yeah, let me know if you have questions. All right. Well, thanks again, Stephanie. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.